بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوت الا بالله العلی العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمین صد الله على سیدنا و نبینا عبدالقاسب المصطفى محمد و على آله الطیبین الطاهرین لا سیما بقیت الله في العرضین اجل الله تعالى فرجه الشریف I'm sorry that uh, I am starting late because I just prayed Fajr. Here it is the time of the Fajr. So, uh, inshallah, now we are going to start reflections on the sevens of the Munajat of Khamsat Ashar. And this is Munajatul Muti'in, the whispered prayers of the obedient ones al-muti'in muti' comes from ta'ah ta'ah means obedience and muti' is the obedient so those who want to be obedient and have actually tried to obey when they want to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for their success in this obedience, they can pray this whispered prayer. It starts with a beautiful sentence. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma alhimna ta'atak. O Allah. Please inspire us to obey you. Inspire us your obedience. In Arabic, Elham means inspiration. In the Quran, we have Wanafsan Wama Sawaha Fa'alhamaha Fujuraha Wataqwaha. In his creation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has inspired us. What is good, what is bad? What is obedience, what is disobedience? We have understanding of basics of morality. This inspiration is there. So, if people follow their reason, their intellect, if they follow their conscience, which is not changed or manipulated, because sometimes, unfortunately, by doing bad things constantly, then you may lose your God-given conscience. You may even feel, you know, quite opposite to what you have to feel. Some people, you know, maybe when they do something good, they feel bad. When they do something bad, they may be feeling nothing bad. But when conscience is in the God-given form, it's in harmony with intellect, with apple, and it understands what is good, what is bad, and also would have desire for good. So there is a kind of understanding, knowledge, plus desire. Knowledge of what is good and what is bad, 
and desire for what is good. But here in this phrase, we ask for something more. Not only we want to be able to understand and to remain understanding what is good, what is bad, we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire us of the ways to obey Him. So my understanding of this sentence is that we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to teach us, to inspire us the best ways of obeying Him. Because sometimes you want to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but you may not realize what is a requirement for obedience in this particular day, in this particular, for example, occasion. There are many ways that we can do good things in addition to just praying and fasting, which are obvious. For something like prayer, like fasting, like giving alms and homes and going for hajj, okay, everything is obvious. We know what we have to do. But there are many other ways that you can do good things that you need to be inspired. Sometimes we live in a, for example, community and we want to do good things, but we may not have sufficient understanding of what I am supposed to do as a member of community to help my community to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You need inspiration. Or sometimes, for example, you are a teacher or you are a scholar, you want to give a lecture and you have the knowledge but you need inspiration to know what is the best thing to say, what is the best thing to offer. So, this is very important to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time to inspire us the ways of obeying Him, which means the ways of doing the bad things, because obedience to Allah is nothing other than doing good things. Allah is the absolute good, the absolute truth, the absolute perfection, and obedience to Him is doing good, doing good actions, trying to be closer to perfection. This is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he has no selfish interest, he has no gain through our obedience. Whatever he wants us is for our own good. So to obey him means to do good things. Therefore, we should always pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire us to understand what is good and what is best actually because we initially may struggle to understand what is good what is bad when it is complicated it's not just a matter of for example obvious actions of worship or obvious actions of sin so that you know what to do what not to do sometimes very complicated what I have to do in this particular case in with my family with my I don't know, friends, my relatives, my job. Sometimes very complicated. 
So we have to ask Allah to help us to understand what is good in these complicated situations, but more than that, also what is the best. Because a movement is always uh, supposed to do the best, not just what is good, what is the best. So we need inspiration. May Allah inshallah give us this inspiration because you know our life is very short and there are so many good things that you can do and the best is to be able to understand what is the uh, most productive, what is the most urgent thing to do, what is the thing that in the long term would be more fruitful, what are the shortcuts, what are the things that can take us to our destination in a very fast and very uh, at the same time product, uh, productive way so we need inspiration all the time in addition to being inspired to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also to help us to be away from his disobedience Turn us aside from disobeying you. Because if we obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but at the same time, we also do bad things. As the Quran says, amalan salihan wa There are people who mix. They do good things, okay. But they also do bad things. So they are not like the people who do only bad things. They mix. This is not very good. Because by doing bad things, the effect of the good things would be reduced or completely stopped. If you have the best food, the most nutritious food, healthiest food, but then you take some poison. So your health would be in danger. So in addition to asking Allah for obedience, we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us understanding, courage, and strength to avoid sins. <coughs> Sorry. Lana O Allah, <coughs> please make it easy for us or please make it possible for us. Yassara, you yassaro, comes from yosra. Yos means easiness. But sometimes it also means Quran. Recite Quran as much as it is easy or normally it is translated as much as possible. Because Muyassar can mean something which is made possible. So, O oh Allah, please make it easy for us or please make it possible for us Bulugh means to reach. We use it also for the people who reach certain age and they become mature. You know, we say, for example, religiously, a person becomes mature if he is 15 years old 
or if she is nine years old, which is the majority of uh, great majority of ulama's idea. So bulu means to reach. Wayasser lana buluga manatamanna. Please make it possible for us to reach what we pursue, what we wish, what we seek, what we are after. And then we explain that. What we seek, what we are interested in having is we want to achieve your pleasure by doing good things by avoiding bad things we want to make Allah pleased with us we want to achieve his pleasure pleasure of Allah is a sign of success if you have a good teacher pleasure of your teacher means that you have learned everything and you have achieved your goals in your study you cannot please a good teacher by bribing for example you don't study you don't get good results and just take a gift for the teacher to please him no a good teacher never will be pleased with anything other than your own success in your study so we have desire for pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and now we ask him himself to help us to achieve that because with the, without the help of Allah himself it's not possible for us or even if for example it is possible it would not be easy so we ask him to make it possible and easy for us to reach his pleasure Ahlil comes from Hulul means to settle. Mahal means a place that you settle. Ahlilna means please enable us to settle in Buhbuhatajanik in the middle of your gardens. What does it mean in the middle of the gardens? You know, sometimes you go to a place and you just get a space near the borders, boundaries. Here, there is a worry that if you are not careful, maybe you end up with being outside of the boundaries to be able to have peace of mind you would try to go further inside because then you are safe so a moment should not be just aiming at entering heaven you know sometimes some people, you know, make joke and they say, Oh Allah, please enable us to sit next to the door of heaven where the shoes are put. You know, <laughs> imagine like a mosque that just 
before the entrance you put your shoes and then you enter so some people say we are satisfied even with this that we are just next to the door of the heaven but I, I think this is not a good idea because first of all if you aim at being in this level then there is a chance that you may not even actually be able to enter heaven you know if for example to pass the exam you have to get 60 so if you aim at getting 60 or 61 or 62 then there is a great chance that you may not even given be given 60 you have to be more ambitious you have to aim at being 80 90 95 so that either you get that good result or something like 70 but if you say I want to just get 60 61 then you may get even less than 60 also why we should be in the lowest level of heaven suppose that you are granted permission to go to the heaven and you're just next to the door as I said you know some people ask so why why we cannot go further why we cannot be in the middle in the central position in heaven or actually in the highest levels of perfection in heaven so here we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to settle in the middle in a central position in heaven central here doesn't mean not very high no it means a place which is the um, central position in the sense that it's very far from the entrance means you have the maximum distance from those who are outside heaven you know sometimes something can be central but at the same time highest so if you imagine heaven as a circle you just imagine then the central position in this circle can be at the same time the highest so this is very important so O oh Allah we ask the inspiration for obedience we ask to be able to please you why because we know that this is the way to secure our residence in the best places of heaven so we ask Allah this is about dunya now that one was about heaven in the hereafter but we need something in dunya so that we can reach that destination what we need in dunya in addition to what we have said so far is a very clear vision good understanding look what beautiful expression Imam Zain al-Abidin uses here he says 
عن بصائرنا سحابة الارتياب and when you connect you can say سحابة الارتياب سحاب means cloud ارتياب means doubting especially it is used for doubts which are not very genuine you know we have shack which is general any kind of doubt can be called shack ارتياب comes from ريبة ريب ذلك الكتاب لا ريبة فيه هدى للمتقين ريب means doubt but normally a doubt uh, which is not genuine a doubt which is not necessary there is no reason to doubt you know sometimes you doubt and that doubt is good because there is no evidence someone says something bad about another person you doubt because you don't want to easily accept what people say but sometimes you doubt the things for which you have evidence because you want to avoid responsibility for example ulama say that this is our responsibility our marja says this is our responsibility then we doubt why because we want to escape we want to avoid that is bad otherwise if there is a genuine doubt it's not bad it is good it is a way to understand the truth so here we are talking about bad types of doubts ertiyab and this is something that you know we have in the quran for example about the fact that the prophet was not reading and you know writing anything before prophethood allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says ma kunta tatlu min kitab wa la takhuthu bi yaminik idhan lartab almubtalun lartabak and this ertiyab come from the same root you were not reading and not nor uh, writing anything because if you had done so lartab almubtalun those who are after falsehood would have made doubts which type of doubt a doubt which is genuine no just they would have said that because this man has been learning uh, how to read and write so he has learned how to produce the quran of course those who are really after truth they would realize that even those who go to a school cannot produce something like the quran but to block the way for those who want to have just some excuses and they just want to say something without having any support any evidence the prophet in all his life never read or wrote anything so that there would remain no chance for anyone to have such baseless doubts so this is the concept of rape and ertia waqshah and basairna sahaba al-irtiya please dispel from our insights from our vision the clouds of doubt this is very important these doubts are like 
you know, smoke are like some fogs, some clouds that may block the vision so we cannot see the light of sun. They will cloud, they will somehow darken our vision. When there is sun and then between you and sun there are clouds, you cannot see the sun. So we ask Allah to remove, to dispel all those doubts that make us unable to see the truth very clearly and obviously. Wakshif an qulubina aghshiyat al-miryat wal-hijab. Please uncover from our hearts. Aghshiyah is the plural form for Qisha. Qisha means cover, means a shell, means sometimes curtain. For example, it is used for um, cells. The surrounding of the cells is called Qisha and also the surrounding of the nucleus of the cell is called Qisha in any case we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove to uh, take away the cover the wrappings of our heart which is Al-Mirya, again doubts. So basically we are asking hijab to be removed. But this hijab is caused by doubts. In addition to the scenes that can bring you know, a big whale in front of our vision, there are also doubts. You know, in Islam, Lots of emphasis has been put on understanding. Perhaps the best gift that a human being has been ever given is understanding. And the worst thing is not to be able to understand. When there is unnecessary doubt then you weaken your ability to understand and gradually you may end up with being totally unable to understand the truth. Maybe you are best in your education. Maybe you get the best results in university, in college. But when it comes to the realities of the life, the person who has the best results in university when he has a problem in his family, he cannot understand anything. Why? Because there is hijab, there is ghesha, there is a cover, there is a veil. Because this person, in moral issues, has been always lazy, bringing excuses not to do good things or to keep doing bad things.
Therefore, now he's not able to understand. It needs a big struggle to get rid of all these whales that historically have been put together. Now it has become so thick, it's very difficult to see through. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, please remove all these types of wrappings and, you know, whales and covers. Zahaqa is opposite to Ja'a. You know, we say in the Quran, Ja'a al-Haq wa Zahaqa al-Batil, inna al-Batil kana zahuqa. And Izhaq is the transient form of Zahaqa. So Izhaq means to force something or someone to go. So zahaqa means to go, but ishaq means to make it go. Azhiq al-batil means please make falsehood go away, vanish from our dhamairana. Dhamair is the plural form for dhamir. Dhamir means the inside of a person, his heart innermost of his reality not necessarily minds it can be mind it can be heart so please remove falsehood and any inclination towards falsehood as some also people have mentioned here from our heart from our innermost minds and hearts we don't want to be one of those people who are following batil, false, opposite to the truth. We don't want also to be people who incline towards batil. Because sometimes you follow batil, sometimes you incline. Even this is not good. That you don't do batil, but you have desire for batil. Because if there is desire for batil, so you have to always be very, very careful. You have to always, you know, press on your brakes because if you are not careful then you go towards water so you, you press on your brakes but it's better not to have any desire for water unfortunately most of the time we have desire for at least some of the bad things not all the bad things some of the bad things alhamdulillah Mu'minin have no desire for them at all. But some of the bad things, still there may be desire for them. Because we are not that much understanding how ugly these things are. So some of the bad actions still may be attractive to us. And because there is attraction, so you have to be very careful. You have to be very cautious. And if, na'uzu billah, for a moment you are careless, you may go towards bad things. So, we ask Allah to remove not only bad things, but also the desire for bad things from our heart and mind. And there is no desire, so you don't do anything bad. You don't go after them. And then, 
if there is no bottle, there is no falsehood, now you can have this beautiful condition of to settle, to fix, to establish the truth in our secret thoughts. Sara'ir is plural of sarira. Sarira means inside. It's very similar to Zamir. Quran says, Yawma tabla sara'ir. Means when the realities inside people become clear. Sometimes people, um, you know, look very nice. But in their heart, they may not be that nice. These realities, which are hidden from most of people, in dunya, in the hereafter, they become obvious. So, we have surat and we have sarira. Sura is the outside, is the apparent, is the outward look. But sarira is inward, is internal. Very similar to vamira. So, وَأَثْبِتِ الْحَقِّ when there is no falsehood and no desire for falsehood, then truth would be established in our heart. Then we explain why we have made these requests. Why we don't want to have doubts. Why we want to be away from falsehood. Why we want the truth. Because فَإِنَّ الشُّكُوكَ وَالظُّنُونَ لَوَاقِحُ الْفَتَنَ Because doubts and suspicions, these are fertilizers of fitna. Fitna means a clouded condition in which because you don't understand what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, you may be misguided and you may do bad things. This is the concept of fitna. So, a moment to avoid being trapped, being stuck in such conditions that he doesn't know what to do or he may even understand you know, in a mistaken way and do bad things. He should have very clear vision, clear understanding. Therefore, he has to be away from doubts and suspicions. In logic, normally they make a distinction between shak and van. Sometimes in fiqh also we make this distinction. In logic, they say shak is when you are 50-50. One is when one side is more probable. For example, you say 51%, up to 70, 80, 90%, this is called one. And then we have certainty, which is 100%. Sometimes Zan is so strong 
that they call it etminan, confidence. Like for example, 99%, 98%. So he, normally here then it's etminan, means there is no certainty, but normally people they don't pay attention here to the little chance of not being the case. So if you know that 99%, this is, for example, the time of departure of your flight, you don't pay attention to the 1% chance that you may make mistake. So that is called etminan, means you have confidence. So in logic, they make a distinction between shak and wan. Shak is 50-50, wan is when one side is more likely. But in Arabic, generally speaking, sometimes shak and van can be used in the place of each other, like here. So we don't want any shak or van. Means not to have certainty, not to have understanding of what is good, what is bad. Because this then is fertilizer of problems. Because when you don't have clear vision, then you may do bad things and you may even you know allow yourself to do bad things because you think that this is an excuse you know sometimes people think that because they don't know they are permitted to do everything no this is not a good excuse you have to try to understand you cannot say i didn't do right things because i didn't know there is a beautiful hadith which says on the day of judgment People would be asked, amilt. Why you didn't practice? Then they would answer, we didn't know. Then a second question comes, Okay, why you didn't learn? So you cannot say, I didn't practice because I didn't know. This is not a good excuse. Because then a second question comes, why you didn't learn? So we have to ask for clear understanding. These doubts make it darkened and unclear. Mukaddir comes from kadar, means something which is darkened, which is clouded, it's not clear. And it is also sometimes used when something very tasty or enjoyable is spoiled you know for example you have a beautiful day you want to enjoy everything then a bad news comes and spoil everything when we have the purest the nicest of the gifts and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then these doubts come and spoil everything for example imagine you want to say your prayer and you want to enjoy your prayer and then you make a doubt and this you know damages the beauty of the prayer or when you go to Hajj so you want to enjoy your tawaf but then you start doubting. So the beauties of tawaf will be affected. Becomes, you know, something 
that preoccupy your mind and then you cannot focus on your tawaf you cannot enjoy your tawaf these will make the pure gifts and grants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoiled or polluted or darkened so that we cannot have a pure pleasure it would be mixed with problems with pain okay let us stop, stop here and answer some of the questions that we have received question one salam Allah thank you for your <clears throat> explanation of this monajat are there any prerequisites for receiving the divine inspiration to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thank you for your question the inspiration of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is available for everyone if we appreciate and keep following those inspirations they become more and more available a child a teenager even without doing that much ibadah through his God-given nature receives these inspirations you see how much children hate lies you know automatically they are honest they understand that they should not tell the lies if we keep that purity and innocence then we would be inspired by doing good things and avoiding bad things that innocence would be preserved and becomes stronger and stronger so you would receive more and more inspirations so the answer is that inspirations do not need anything you just need not to bring bad stuff not to bring bad things if you preserve your innocence if you preserve your purity that you have as a child then you would have that inspiration and then if you top up that with good actions and with, with reflection with zikr then inshallah that inspiration becomes stronger and stronger question two uh, can you suggest some books or sites where we can refer the commentary of the 15 munajats we have noticed that most commentaries of Sahih Sajjadi only cover the first 54 du'as yes because these munajats are not part of the Sahifa sometimes uh, there are editions of Sahifa that they have added also these munajats but this is not among those uh, du'as which constitute Sahifi Sajjadi and I don't know of any English uh, commentary or even Farsi commentary of uh, these 15 uh, maybe something in available in Arabic but uh, I will look again if I find anything in English for you I will let you know inshallah Question 3, Thank you for this beautiful lecture. We are gifted with all these du'as. It seems all the du'as are all relevant to be recited every day. For example, in today's webinar, you were discussed 
for Allah to fix our secret thoughts. But last week we talked about being thankful to Allah. They seem relevant to be recited every day. But time does not allow. What do you suggest? Yes. This is a very good point. That when we read these munajats, it doesn't mean that, for example, the first munajat is for some age, the second is after, you know, that age. No. This is uh, the munajat that everyone can recite depending on how he or she feels whether his focus is today on asking for love or asking for, for example, thankfulness or obedience, all of them can be used by us and can be relevant. And my idea is that we should familiarize ourselves with all these monajat and then depending on your condition, you choose which one is the one that you want to recite today or at this particular time but you should not deprive yourself from reading the others so I must not say I only read these ones not the others no these are the instructions that we need these are things that we can use whenever we have the ability to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and indeed sometimes it is good that you have this diversity because then it doesn't become something uh, you know that is a routine because if you have just one thing to say every day then it may become boring or not very attractive but there is a diversity so there is always a new idea and you never you know get bored with them or you never just read them and rush in reading them because there is nothing new for you so it's good to try to read all of them as much as possible but maybe sometime there is a condition in your life that you prefer for some days or some weeks to read one of them more but in general I think we need to have all these monajats and du'as gradually and Sometimes, you know, I say to the brothers and sisters, this is like different vitamins. For having a healthy, you know, diet, you should bring all the vitamins. Don't say, I just take this vitamin. Yes, if you have a shortage, okay, you take some vitamin more to, uh, for example, stop the shortage. But then when you come normal, then you take all the vitamins. Question four. Why is it that shrimps are permissible to be eaten, but lobster is not? Uh, yeah, this is about the fiqh and for understanding what to eat and what to, uh, to drink, which we call you know, at'ima and ashraba, we have a whole discussion in fiqh and when it comes to seafoods, then we have some guidelines from our hadith and we observe those guidelines in the hadith. Based on those guidelines, our jurists, our mujtahids, have normally said this uh, fatwa that lobsters are not eatable. So they are excluded. 
those things which are excluded we cannot eat them but those things which are not excluded then there is no reason to say why they are to be for example haram so it's not that you can uh, always follow the way they look say okay they look very similar to us no looking very similar is not a reason for example you know we say uh, dog is nudges but fox or wolves that look similar to dogs are not necessarily the same no one has said a fox is nudges so having a similar look is not a reason for having similar ruling so we follow the rulings which are understandable through the fiqh and the most knowledgeable experts have explained to us if you want to know what was the method of understanding and drawing this ruling so that is a fiqhi discussion we can have that fiqhi discussion but if you want to understand what is the reason for this we may not know the reason i, I don't know if it, i am clear or not for example we know that very clearly from our sources we can uh, deduce this ruling that pig is nudges okay so we can prove this we can document this we can bring all the hadith we can show that these hadiths are authentic and this is what can be understood from this hadith and make this ruling but why pig is nudges in the sense that not what is the reason for saying that is nudges no in the sense that why allah made it nudges we may understand we may not understand sometimes we may understand to some extent no faqih no theologian no scholar can say i am hundred percent clear about all the reasons why pig is made nudges no we can have some understanding but maybe there are much more to be discovered in future what is important for us is to have a scientific a scholarly way to establish whether this is nudges or not but why allah made it nudges or not then we don't need to know of course if we know it's better for us we try to know but if we don't that's not a problem our um, priority is to make sure that this is what really allah has wanted so by taqlid by following our maraj who are pious and most knowledgeable we are sure that this is the best way to make sure that we are pleasing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but then why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made something permissible or not we may not be able to understand although i appreciate the efforts to try to understand and sometimes there are hints in a quran or hadith about some of the reasons but sometimes we may not know or we may not have complete picture uh, 
Question five, I was not aware that there are different levels of heaven. When you talk about center and high position and compare it with the boundaries, please explain. Yes, for sure heaven has levels, has ranks, and as I said, these ranks are vertical and these are depending on our qualities, on our performance in dunya. And a mu'min should try to be in the highest levels of heaven. And there are hadiths which says, for example, that adadu darajal Quran. We have ranks in heaven equal to the number of the verses of the Quran. So for us, we are able to reach the highest level of heaven because we have the Quran. If we follow the Quran 100%, then inshallah we would be in the highest level of heaven. And as I said, to be highest is not in conflict to be in the middle. Because the highest is the farthest or the most remote from the boundary. This is a very important point. So, if you have, for example, a tent which is air conditioned in Mena, which is very hot, for example, or in Arafat, which is very hot. So, what is the best place in that tent? The central position. Because it is uh, in the most remote uh, distance from the boundaries. But there is no problem that this can be also the highest. Because it's not a physical thing. Heaven, you know, the ranks are not necessarily a matter of geography. This is for our own understanding that we are using these concepts of boundaries as, as if it is a circle. Or as if it is, a, for example, a house or a farm. No. It's not necessarily a matter of geography. It's a matter of reality. Question 6. Assalamu alaikum. Alaykum assalam. Please advise us how to pray without forgetting. Every method we try, we still forget. It's some. Yes, the presence of heart is something that in my understanding needs training. It's not just something that you learn. You need to train yourself. You need to practice. If we make preparations for our Salat and also if we practice that, inshallah we will have presence of heart in the Salat. So, preparation is like, for example, knowing about the significance of Salat. And then, before the time of Salat comes for a few minutes, we should Try not to do anything, just to sit, to relax, not to be still, you know, busy with what we have been doing. You know, like for example, I say a kettle, when it is boiling, then it's better if you want, for example, to make a tea, just to disconnect it from the power, main power, and then let it settle and then use it. Our mind is sometimes like a boiling 
water in the kettle and then suddenly we want to shift to salat now let those things settle and then start your salat in a good place which is not noisy which is not with, uh, with lots of you know distractions concentrate on the meanings and inshallah day by day we can improve and if we try to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the day then inshallah in that salat we would have the best condition but if we forget Allah during the day then all of a sudden we want to remember him constantly in salat it's not possible uh, question 7 a 14 year old girl doesn't want to do hijab if she says she will do it but for right now she doesn't find courage to do it to what extent can we force her to wear hijab what should we do yeah uh, you should not uh, necessarily take it as a sign that this girl is a bad girl and although what she says is not legitimate and inshallah our girls should start hijab uh, having hijab not only when they become mature even before becoming mature they should start having hijab because hijab is the honor for a girl for a even you know not mature girl it's uh, as I have mentioned in one argument uh, one paper maybe uh, if you are interested it's in the website of message of about hijab you would see that hijab is more than anything else a dress of honor given by Allah to the ladies and this is why even when they are alone and they want to say their prayer they want to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they should have this dress of honor on and then they meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during their prayer and I have brought lots of evidence for that this dress of honor is available to the girls even before they become mature and if we help them understand the beauty of hijab and the necessity of hijab then inshallah they would not feel uh, shy or embarrassed to observe hijab so you should try to um, let them understand and support them help them be inshallah nice with them and make sure that inshallah they observe hijab but not by using physical force by encouragement by helping them to understand by uh, supporting them and this is a very important responsibility of a woman and also a, an honor our women who understand this honor they don't want to lose this even when they are forced they want to keep their hijab because they know this is their honor and it is also something interesting to note that for our ladies to have hijab it is a matter of constant ibadah you know if you do something for for example a minute then you are rewarded for that as something which is done for a minute but having hijab is not just one hasana 
as long as you have hijab maybe you have hijab few hours in school in college in work in on the street so it's a continuous about you are not being given just one hasana no you are being given reward for a continuous hasana imagine like for example a person who recites quran for a minute or recites quran for few hours of course if you recite quran for few hours is much more rewarded than reciting quran for a minute ladies who observe hijab they are being rewarded continuously as long as they have their hijab like a person who is continuously doing something good like recitation of the Quran or constant for example constant is looking after the poor or ill people so this is very important don't take it just as one hasana this is a continuous hasana and now we will see our ladies how rich they become on the day of judgment that they had many hours of having hijab and may Allah inshallah help our ladies our girls to understand and appreciate this gift that Allah has given them you know something that I have mentioned in that paper is that hijab was not necessary was not obligatory for the maids for the you know female slaves it was obligatory for those who were uh, ladies mistresses you know not uh, slaves not maids so it shows that it's an honor so we have to appreciate this dress of honor inshallah okay i should stop here thank you very much for your attention inshallah remember us your dua and hope to see you inshallah next week wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alamin